I'm Maren Miller. And I'm Gretchen Baglios. And this is and I'll this Meet You is... There podcast. Podcast. Yay. <laughs> Hi, Mar. Hi. So this is our intro episode for folks who are just tuning in for the first time or who want to go back and listen to how we lay this all out the first time. Um, we're going to just talk a little bit about what this podcast is and where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. So um, first, I'm just going to read the little blurb that Mar has put up on, um, on our website and our Instagram, and it says this. Barbecue Becky, blindside saviors, and crying white women, oh my. What does it mean to be a white woman developing racial consciousness in the U.S.? And then listen in as we talk about the question on our journey toward greater self-awareness, accountability, and healing. And I just want to speak to that real quick. Um, those three references, um, if you're not familiar, it's you can Google them easily, see what they are. Um, but basically, I see them as three archetypes of how white women show up in the United States. Um, so, for anywhere from being a white woman who calls for safety and criminalizes people of color um, to a white woman who plays the savior role of, I'm such a good person, I'm going to help, um, to the white woman who breaks down in tears out of her own fragility um, inability to talk about race or handle any racial tension. So Marin and I are exploring the concept of what it is to be a white woman. Um, obviously, um, I'll speak for me that I struggle with my own embodiment of each one of those archetypes and mm-hmm. want to stay curious and stay, um, stay in conversation about my own accountability with those archetypes, um, not just being a fragile white woman, not just being one who rushes to save, but um, but investigating <laughs> what it is I've learned about who I am as a white woman and wanting to learn a different way of being racially mm-hmm. conscious and growing towards racial consciousness. Um, so, with that being said... Um, mm-hmm. We're going to jump into this first episode and introduce some tools that we've had the benefit of learning from people of color, both in our professional spaces and our personal lives. And for me, these tools have really allowed me a different way to talk about race other than like a back and forth debate model or not talking about race at all. (laughs) So, um... We'll introduce some of them here and continue to come back to them, but this intro episode is really just meant to give sort of um, an entry point, and we'll model some of that, and then um, we'll go a little bit deeper with one of with one of the tools. So, Mar, you wanna you wanna go ahead with the first one? Yeah, I first wanna we introduced ourselves and our names and kind of alluded to us being white women, but I also just want to jump in and say um, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Um, and yeah, 
just wanting to um, that we're going to always try and speak I statements and speak from our own experience. Um, and that's part of the tool that we're going to be sharing or tools that we'll be sharing. Um, but yeah, do we want to do our check-in? Sounds good. All right. Um, wow. Where, let's see, what's a good check-in? Can you, what's, what's your weather right now? How are you feeling? Mm. I'm, I feel pretty clear right now. Um, mm. I feel like I've been in a, in a bit of a fog lately. Um, beginning of a new school year, so it's been very busy, and I haven't had a lot of time to pause. Um, mm. And today, um, today was was a little bit differently paced at school. Um, so I was able to be in my classroom and able to to just reflect and kind of think, okay, big picture, where are we headed next? And I was able to check in with some staff and actually have some conversations, some beginning conversations about race um, with my staff, which, which felt really good. So I'm feeling positive, uh, clear, um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be doing this with you as a friend hey. and an accountability partner. Yeah. What's your weather, Mark? My weather. Um, I'm feeling and noticing like the, the transition into fall this morning was like an amazing, like crisp and cool morning, but it was still like bright and sunny all day and now it's really hot but I'm I'm feeling more like this morning's weather of crisp and cool and clear and um just like in anticipation and excitement for the transition and for um yeah what's to come with this podcast what's to come with this school year um and Leave it at that. Um, we also want to do where are you at on the compass? So this is our yes. first tool that we want to share. Um, this is part of a protocol. Uh, Glenn Singleton created it, and it's part of the Courageous Conversations About Race protocol. Um, there are four quadrants on the compass. Um, there is believing, then thinking, and acting, and feeling. Um, and it's a tool to um, understand where people are coming in in terms of conversations about race. Um, it's helped me to understand just where I'm at, especially if I'm upset or or just really like trying to what we call center myself if I can name where I'm at on the compass I could potentially utilize one of the other quadrants to kind of help myself get centered um, so 
So we'll be utilizing the compass to check in often. Um, so where are you at on the compass? Question. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm like diagonal. So if I'm picturing it like a square, um, split into four boxes or even like a circle mm -hmm. into four parts, um, I'm on the opposite sides. So I'm in my acting quadrant, which I don't really, I'm not usually there. <laughs> mm. um, I tend to hang out in my emotional quadrant and my believing quadrant. Like, here's my beliefs about what's happening racially. Here's how I feel about it. Um, but today, I'm just feeling more actionable. Um, and this podcast is a big step for me. Um it's something that brings up a lot of, like, there's, like, this fire in my stomach right now that's telling me, like, you have to start talking, um, mm. and you have to start being more vulnerable. Like, you've done this, this, mm. this, and this, and you, there's something else to be done, and so I'm feeling that I'm in my acting, wanting to put my voice out there, and also in my believing quadrant of, like, I believe I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I believe that what I'm going to say is not going to be perfect. Um, mm. I believe that will be difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I will say things that people who potentially listen to this may agree with or resonate with, and that I will also say things that people are quick to criticize and, and right in doing so. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm also just believing that this type of vulnerability um, and this type of action is where I need to be. Mm. So how about you? Check in. Where are you on the compass? Uh, um, well, I tend to be in my feelings a lot. Um, but right now, yeah, I'm also... Um, more in my believing and my acting, um, and really excited to take action steps, um, on many levels, um, in terms of just moving forward in career goals, and I've just, I also feel this pull, this call, like, I'm scared to death, like, I'm in my feelings, and oftentimes fear is what can get us stuck if we're stuck in our feeling quadrant, and I feel fear around being heard and being seen more um, as a white woman, and I also, I tend to um, go in circles around it of, should I say anything, what do I, what, who am I to have anything to say, um, but also seen a lot of stuff, especially on Instagram and just, but also just internally um, knowing that I have these skills and I've had numerous experiences that I don't ever want to take for granted. And, and I feel like I have to use these tools mm -hmm. that I've been granted um, to model and to share and um yeah, I just, I think it's, and I'm so excited to do it 
with you. Um, I believe that together we can step into vulnerability and 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 hold, you know, model how how to hold each other in this messiness. Mm-hmm. That is being a white woman mm-hmm. <laughs> and and trying um, to push past certain characteristics that no matter how much work I've done and feel like I understand systems and understand how whiteness and white supremacy culture shows up in me, like, especially this last year, it surprised me how easily I can forget mm. and how easily I can get uncentered and, and make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean I stop doing it. Yeah fall silent or fall um, inactive. Um, And I think there's just this huge need. There's this huge need of modeling, this huge need of of sharing and just, yeah, wrestling with um, what it means to be a white woman and what it means to be a white woman trying to understand how race shows up in me, how white shows up in me around what am I doing about it? How how can I do something about it? Mm-hmm. And there's no right or wrong answer. There's lots of different ways, but um, yeah, just excited, excited to talk about it. Feels mm-hmm. good. Mm. I'm so grateful for you. So grateful for you. Helps to like just be talking. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be talking um, at least. <laughs> That's so you know, and I, I you brought pieces of this up. I heard I heard pieces of this and what you just shared in your check in. Um, but our next question was, with with this topic, with us coming in as white women having a podcast mm-hmm. specifically, I, I like the word you used about um, wrestling with that, mm. with that piece, with that identity, our lived experience and our identity. Um, who are you indebted to? So, yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Do you want me to go sure. First? Okay. This came up for me last week. Um, a coach that I work with, and and we were asked this in our in class, and um. Yeah, it really resonated with me in terms of uh, I left teaching. I taught 10 years of art, and I left a school in in Minnesota, um, north of Minneapolis, that changed my life on many levels because of the numerous training and experiences and leadership roles, just um, opportunity to learn, opportunity to uh, be stretched in ways that I didn't realize I needed to, um, specifically um, being trained and, and going through Beyond Diversity, being trained. Do you want to say what that is? Yeah, Beyond Diversity is a a two-day training that um, Pacific Educational Group offers, and it's um, two 
introduce you and start integrating and understanding um, the protocol and utilizing that. Therefore, for me, my experience of that was to really have a door open and uh, my eyes open to uh, white supremacy and whiteness and just and systems that I was now know I was carefully taught not to see, but I really didn't see for 30 plus years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the two day beyond diversity was just the start of it all. I, the school that I was at, luckily was being, was utilizing the protocol and, um, and so I had permission to talk about race on, on different levels, whether it was eventually something, you know, eventually I did in my classroom, mm-hmm. um, but we also had an equity team. Um, we were always looking at how it existed within our system and within our staff and within our classrooms. So I feel indebted to Glenn Singleton and Pacific Educational Group and and the protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also feel indebted to the school and mm-hmm. the principal and the resources that I was wholeheartedly handed over for three years. Event, you know, if I asked to go to a training, I I got to go to a training. So beyond diversity was the start, but I was able to go to various things after that, whether it was through Pacific Educational Group or through um, local opportunities in Minnesota. Um, eventually, I was I was able to co-facilitate a youth group. Of, under the gut, um, name of Dare to Be Real. Um, then our district changed it to Real Talk, but it was an anti-racist leadership group for students where we utilized the protocol and mm-hmm. and talked about race and systems and helped raise consciousness, but also gave them permission and space to speak from their experiences. And the school that I was at that was predominantly students of color and free to reduce lunch um, and but then also mostly white staff, which is a predictable pattern that exists across the country. Um, and so it was really powerful to be able to be one of to be one of the adults that held space for for students to really uh, speak their truth, just an agreement mm-hmm. to really like feel heard. So I feel very indebted to them. Even though I've left teaching and I've left that school, which I wrestled with for two plus years, if that's really what I want to do, mm. um, and it was was what was best for me. Uh, but I can't, I can't ever let go of those experiences um, and want to do right by all that I was given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I echo the Glenn Singleton. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I 
think the the piece for me, my introduction to Beyond Diversity, when I first took it, I was, I made a lot of allowances for myself because I didn't consider mm -hmm. myself white like other white people because I hadn't grown up mm -hmm. in an all-white place. And so I moved to Minnesota from the East Coast and I also spent big chunk in Chicago and had had enough interactions um, in community with people of color that I gave myself a pass. <laughs> I was like, no, I get it. And I have these things I can point to as tangible evidence of my own racial consciousness and anti-racism. And I went to Beyond Diversity and there's an experience in there where um, we use Peggy McIntosh's notions of white privilege um, and everyone in the room rates themselves pretty much along this line and gives themselves a number based on the amount of privilege that being white in terms of the color of your skin affords you. And I remember intentionally rating myself, you know, the highest score, the most white privilege you can get. You have a 130 and I rated myself like a 100 um, because I was too, I had a lot of defenses up about being seen like the other white people in the room. And I remember the facilitator at the time, just, he could have come over and been like, and shot me down. Like, no, this is how much privilege you have. Why don't you see it? And like, shocked me, shamed me into seeing it. Um, but he didn't. And he also didn't coddle me, but he invited me to keep investigating that number. And ever since that, um, I've had my, my thinking about race and talking about race started becoming a lot more looking in the mirror versus seeking to learn and be in communities with people of color. Like, what do I still have yet to un to uncover about my experience as a white woman? Because I'm an expert in that experience, and I'm not an expert in any experience of the people of color in my life. Um, I can be a support and a listener and and a friend, but I'm not. You know, I have to I have to get real about my own experience, and so I'm indebted to that framework. I'm indebted to the teachers that have come into my life through that framework, um, through Pacific Educational Group. They've been coaches and mentors and friends for me who have seen me, seen me at my worst and have seen something in me and encouraged me to keep pushing. And I want to stress too, it's, it has never been done with this notion of hand-holding. Um, it's, it's the most challenging work I've ever done and will continue to do. And um, I feel indebted to the, that organization as well because I, I do consultancy work with them at this point. And that for me is this very humbling experience because it doesn't mean that I've arrived. Um, <laughs> and in fact, in the mistakes that I continue to make, I wrestle with how can I make mistakes like this and be a consultant for this company that, that stands for what it stands for. Um, 
Um, I'm also indebted to the folks that I've made mistakes around and that I've harmed um, because conflict and mistakes have been the source of my greatest growth. And so that's been, it's been students of mine, parents of students of mine, my own family who I've taken things home to and thrown things at them ungracefully and <laughs> learned the hard way like that you can't tell the truth in that way because no one will listen to you. <laughs> um, to folks that I've shot down, um, you know, why can't you see your own racism sort of stuff um, where I haven't taken the time or done the practicing around the tools to really use them effectively. Um, and I'm indebted to the folks that continue to to witness my stumbling and hmm. and stumble, you know, don't just go quickly to pick me back up, but to say, no, this is part of that. Um, this is part of your work is to not jump up immediately when you get it wrong, but let's go deeper together with that. Um, and so I have some really dear accountability partners in in you, of course, um, my partner, who's a white man, and and of course others. But um, ironically, the folks that I thought I I have to make every have to devote everything to saying how I'm not like those people have become my greatest accountability partners. So mm. um, I'm indebted to them and. Again, I'm in my believing and my acting. Like, I have been given these tools. I have had years to practice them. I need to be using them in a more um, more visible way. Yeah. Not just with other folks who know them. <laughs> so, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So. And it feels so good, though, to use them with folks who know them. But, yeah. yeah. I also want everybody to know mm -hmm. them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep, and that's the thing, too, that in, I remember hearing that in Beyond Diversity my first time, it was like, don't just take this home and try and put your your partner like into protocol because you haven't taken the time <laughs> to do your own work. And yeah. But there is, for me, a, a benefit in, hey, you've had this training, I've had this training, can we talk on the phone? Like, can we continue mm -hmm. to do this together? Or can I teach you this tool? Would you be willing to use it with me? Um, which I would just say for listeners right now, I think also my accountability partner is my journal. <laughs> like, yeah. I have to write a lot of this stuff out before before I believe it's fair to really take it to someone and ask them to bear it with me. Um, and when I say that mm. I'm racializing that, like there's, there's been things recently where I've taken them to other white folks because I don't want to put the responsibility for processing on people of color in my life. And then there will be another time, a different time for sharing in interracial, um, people of different races together. So all right, we are going to introduce one more tool, and then we're going to wrap it up. 
because this is only our intro. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Mar, you want to you wanna take the next one, or do you want me to do that one? Go for it. All right, so the compass, like Mar introduced, um, I really see as an entryway, like the floor of the conversation. It holds everything in place. And then the four agreements are like walls that surround that floor. Um, so like that. how we have the conversation. Um, so the four agreements in no particular order are stay engaged, speak your truth, experience discomfort, and expect and accept non-closure. And the question that, um, and again, those will be up on the website. Mm-hmm. I'll meet you there podcast. Um, but the question we want to just throw out there today, um, we'll each answer it, and then listeners can also take some time to think about to think about their own answer. The question is, which agreement are you living the most right now? So which is really, I think living would be like, which one are you doing the most? <laughs> mm, or which one are you feeling yeah. the most? Um, do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, which of the four agreements am I living right now? think mostly staying engaged um I just I'm not a teacher anymore I'm not in a classroom anymore I moved to Colorado a year ago and I left seeking um wanting to be useful and utilize the skills that I that I gained um and but wanting to do it in a way where um, I'm not in the classroom, but I'm still potentially influencing teachers, or I'm still creating space for students. Or um, at this point, I'm really I've created a book club that meets monthly here in the area that I live. Um, and so the, the longest time when I first learned about these tools, I had to keep reminding myself to to never put my my um, critical race lens down because as a white person I could easily take that off and put that down mm-hmm. when I wanted um, and there certainly are still moments in my day that maybe I do that just to just in order to um, take care of myself so just to maybe zone out or or something like that, but inevitably it it always comes up. There's I was thinking about this the other day, like that's something I could be doing on my Instagram. Like, well, how has race showed up in my day today? Mm. Um, and uh, just even as a white woman driving in the back country here, going hiking and stuff. You know, I my battery died the other day. What would that experience be like if I wasn't a white woman? Mm. Um, 
So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just really trying to push myself to stay engaged. One, just because I'm in a new space as well. And I'm, I'm trying to navigate, like, how, how can I be utilized? Who will let me (laughs) in a sense, or how can I create something where I can? Um, And so the book club was definitely one of those um, spaces that feels good. We met just this past Monday, actually, around the Seeing White podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that just that feels good uh, to feel like I am utilizing the tools mm-hmm. and trying to help um, build capacity for myself, because the work is never done, but also, but also continue to um, influence those around me, Mm -hmm. little sphere of influence that I have. Um, I think, I don't know what it is, just if it's astrology and just the changing of seasons or whatever, but um, I'm excited to be seen and heard a little bit Mm -hmm. more even when it comes to um, posting about what I want to offer in terms of coaching, whether it's around Reiki or whether around um, coaching specifically white women around communication. Part of that would be understanding themselves and how white culture mm-hmm. how how I had to learn how I I often show up in my feelings and there's like a full body response and I, I that still happens for me sometimes but I now like I don't freak out and completely melt mm. <laughs> when that happens, you know, just building my capacity. I want to help build others' capacity. Um, yeah, I'm still not really good at accepting non-closure or, or discomfort, but I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think right now living, living mostly, staying engaged, and really pushing myself to do that in whatever way I can. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, I was just thinking as you were sharing that. Can I just share that? You put me in my thinking quadrant. <laughs> Circling back to the compass. Um, the analogy. Yeah, say that. The analogy that came up. Because um, I heard you say building capacity. was really like yeah. how much this this work and this kind of conversation as a white person is like building muscles. Um, and I like that analogy because if I, like, if I went to lift weights right now and tried to do what you're able to do, I would hurt myself. (laughs) Like, I have not prepared myself and prepped myself and paced myself to be able to lift a lot of that weight. And, um... And I imagine that if you didn't keep up with your with your CrossFit for several weeks, you would notice the effects. Like, mm-hmm. and so I'm just thinking about how the tools for me are so much like that. That when I'm in a regular practice of using them, both with people who also know what they're called, or even yeah. better, like 
I'm going to use the compass, even though my coworker doesn't know what it is. I'm just going to tell her, I'm really feeling this. I'm really thinking this. My muscles are getting stronger, and it's easier for me to go straight to that as my instinct versus my other tactics of, like, defensiveness, snappiness, um, which is where I go. Um, that's typically the way that I've shown up when I'm my less evolved self is defensive, snappy, East Coast, rah, rah, everything. Um, so I just want to say that, that for folks who are trying to have these conversations and trying to use these tools to, um, I don't want to say like, give yourself time, take all the time you need, because that's also incrementalism, which is if you're not doing it, fast at all, then nothing's going to happen, but, (laughs) um, be open and aware of the shifts that might start to take place if you use the tools, if you start to lift weights. (laughs) Oh, I have a little bicep. I never saw that before. (laughs) What if I tried that again next week? Woo! Woo! So, um, yeah. I love that. (laughs) What agreement? That's all, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which agreement are you living? I am in so much discomfort. (laughs) Mm. Um, and it's like meta on top of that because I'm uncomfortable that I'm uncomfortable. Um, Mm. I used to look at that agreement and be like, oh, I got this. I talked about race since I was like five. We've been talking about race I'm not uncomfortable talking about race. And then the more and more and more and more I did and the more and more I messed up racially and my own internalized racism was like, oh, here it is. Boom. Um, The more I'm like, oh, my discomfort isn't attached to talking about race. My discomfort comes when I don't have an out (laughs) from the discomfort. Damn. Yeah. Um... And so I'm really noticing some of the patterns that I use to get out of my own discomfort, like tuning out, stop, like, I'm not going to think about it because I'm uncomfortable, versus, like I heard you say, I have to care for myself sometime. I have to I have to zone out so I can come back. Um, but I'm talking about, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to think about that anymore. It's done. Or I'm going to find a solution to my discomfort. And then once I've found that solution, the discomfort will be gone. So um, my discomfort right now is wrapped up in, is wrapped up in, (laughs) I moved to Oakland, California last year. I'm white. There's a lot of white people moving in here. Um, so I am part of the harmful gentrification that's happening. And that's that in and of itself is like difficult for me to wrestle with because it doesn't because I can't think of anything besides leaving or <laughs> not having come here that would be a an alternative. Um, and so I'm sitting in the discomfort of what is it what what weight is on my shoulders? What do I need to take ownership of? What do I need to learn? What, who do I need to ask? Who do I need to observe to be a deserving part of this community? 
and mm -hmm. to be in community, I'll say, because yeah. my conditioning as a white as a white person will just tell me that wherever I physically am, I deserve to be in community there, and it, that's not true. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I saw the movie Blind Spotting two weekends ago with Alex, with my partner, and. Um, it was really intense for for me and for him for a different reason. Um, he's he's from here, and so he he experienced the movie differently than I did. Um, he's from here, and he's also white, so I'll say that. Um, but I it it brought a lot of things up that I've thought about, and then there was an audience watching it and responding to it, and so watching the movie with an audience, I was like, oh my god, it's all about me. Like, mm. I, I could not help but sit in this pool of shame and guilt. Mm. And I also know, because I've shared this with other people, that guilt and shame are the most unproductive emotions I could stay in. And so yeah. my discomfort is also from just seeking to keep investigating why do I feel the guilt? Why do I feel the shame? And what else do I have access to? Um, mm. And on a micro level, um, I feel very much like a gentrifier in the, in the school community that I'm a part of. Um, I teach, I went back to the classroom. I was a coach for several years out of the classroom. I went back to teaching music full-time, which is such a joy and a gift. And I'm in a community where none of my students identify as white. Um, and so I, I believe that that, bears, that places a lot of responsibility on me to question what my role is in, in this school community and how I can be of service to the students and the staff. Um, it's not comfortable. And I'm glad. At the same time, I'm glad. <laughs> it's like... So, that's where I'm living. Um, for sharing. You're welcome. Usually don't struggle with speaking my truth, <laughs> but I struggle with speaking it in a way that it can be heard, um, mm. and speaking it from a place of love instead of let me tell you something and make myself superior in doing that, um, specifically mm. with other white people. So, all right, um, accepting non-closure and. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're going to close our first episode. Yeah. Um, we wanted to end every episode with gratitude, um, affirmations, and then something, um, each week, whether it's a poem or a quote or a song, and we'll just leave it with that. Yeah. You want to start affirmation? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just am sitting here and listening to you in my closet, by the way, everybody. 
Uh, my computer's heating up. I'm heating up. It's <laughs> uh, but I just feel so much gratitude, and I'm just so every time grateful to have you in my life specifically. Mm-hmm. You've been such a teacher for me and such a model, and um, just I can only believe that it was meant to be. We have a crazy way we met. Well, not crazy, but just we will share, I think, more eventually of just our, how we met <laughs> and, and our relationship. But, um, yeah, just affirming you and uh, grateful for you in my life and all the ways you are in my life. Um, and just really excited to, to do this mm-hmm. podcast. Just See where it goes. Just be open. Thank you. I received that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... I appreciate you, Marin. As we were setting up tonight, I was my like racing through thoughts in my head. Again, in my thinking quadrant. Wow. <laughs> mm. um, of, okay... Now that Marin and I are intentionally going to talk about this together, will my will my stuff come up with Marin? Like, mm. will I feel a need to want to compete with her? Will I feel a need to want to be more racially conscious? Like, all of the stuff that I've yes. struggled with in other spaces with white people, I'm like, is that going to surface? Right. And of course it will! Like, that's the answer. <laughs> yes. um, it absolutely yes. will. And <laughs> if, like, where you just said you believe, I believe that this is, this is, this is the next step for me in pushing me um, to be accountable. Because I know a lot of conversations I can have with very close white friends I can say things that I wouldn't necessarily say around people of color and I won't be called out on Mm. it. And Mm. I don't want to be in that space with you. And yeah, at the beginning of the show today, when you like paused and you're like, I want to name, these are my pronouns. Like there was an instinct to me to be like, Oh, I wanted to name that too. And, uh, and like, (laughs) no, like, and again, it's that modeling of like, just because I didn't doesn't mean you didn't have to because you didn't want to make me feel bad or like anything <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> so I want to appreciate you for you. the type of thinker and feeler that you are because it challenges me. Um, mm. And it helps me shift away from how I've normed this is, another topic in episode, but how I've normed more stereotypical white masculine ways of communicating and Mm. appreciate the way that you communicate. Um, I also want to affirm and appreciate our friend Carl because Mm. we did an episode this summer that was like three hours long. It wasn't, it wasn't three hours. It was our first one. It felt like it was long. And Carl listened to the whole thing and gave us copious amounts of notes that I found so helpful. And I've been thinking about them since. 
Um, and I believe that he will listen to each episode and give us really thorough feedback. And he's a white, he's a white person as well. Um, and I want to appreciate him because he, he's on this journey as well. And that gives me such hope. Like when white people who I love or who I just meet decide, you know what, this, this is about me too. I'm going to do this too. Um, I want to affirm Carl and, and I love you. So Gonna say that, hey. and close it out. Okay, let's do it. So our podcast name is "I'll Meet You There." Um, regards to a roomy poem that exists, so that you might have seen or experienced bits of the poem. Um, a lot of the first part is passed around as a quote, um, but I want to read the whole poem tonight, or today. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make any sense. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across the door sill, where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. <laughs>